Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of the third series of the Haiku P podcast. If you've been following in recent months, you'll know that I'm thinking through the essence of haiku, and I'm going to continue with that today. Then, I'd like to give you a little bit of news. There's lots going on in the Poetry P world at the moment, and I'll finish with the Renku, as it currently stands. Most of you are at the very least restricted in your movements at the moment because of coronavirus. As I put this together, I'm not on lockdown, but the Swiss have been asked to stay at home wherever possible, and most of the shops, apart from food stores and chemists, are shut, as are all the entertainment opportunities, apart from those you make yourself, of course. Without my husband, family, nature, my bike, you, and haiku, life would be a little dull. It seemed to me a week or so ago, all the news outlets were doom and gloom. Whenever I turn on the radio or the television, or even listen to some of my favourite podcasts, all I was hearing was coronavirus and its deadly nature. It was making me over-anxious. I don't know about you. So I decided to have a go at a new series on YouTube, just to bring a little bit of joy into the world. If you haven't heard about it already, it's called PTV Moments, and you'll find it on the Poetry P YouTube channel and, of course, the website. At the moment, every morning at 9 o'clock Central European time, I post a video with haiku to try and cheer us all up. Some of the videos are mine, but I'm delighted to say that a number of you have already sent me videos and haiku so we can see little snippets from around the world at this wretched time. It would be lovely to have more videos. They're easy enough to make on your phone. They need to be MP4, in landscape mode, and at least 20 seconds long. You don't need to record your haiku. As long as you send it to me in the the email, I can read it over the video. I'd welcome more, but only if it's fun for you to do, and most importantly, safe for you to do. If you have some and you're finding it difficult to send me a video, let me know because we can always try Google Drive or something else. I hope you can check out YouTube and give the moments a little bit of love. I'm also putting the finishing touches to the journal, so I hope it won't be too long before I can let you know that our first journal of haiku and senryu is available on Amazon. If you've signed up for the newsletter, you'll be one of the first to know. If you'd like to sign up for the newsletter, you'll find the sign-up form on the Poetry P website. So, news over, let's talk a little bit about the essence of haiku. So far, I've spoken about the aha moment, the simplicity of haiku and its references to everyday life. But there's something else I wanted to say, and I'm having a little bit of trouble formulating it. I have to thank Tia Haynes for giving me a push, even though she doesn't know about it. I was reading a piece by her in February in the Haiku Dialogue of the Haiku Foundation, in which she said, Our primal nature has not left us and is still deeply embedded in our DNA. In a most succinct way, she spoke about an element of what I'd been thinking, that the essence of haiku, or part of the essence of haiku, is an appeal to something which could be deep within each of us, something that we might not even recognise as part of us. Additionally, it has to be something that binds the majority of us together, something recognisable to the majority of us. 
It's been many, many years since I studied psychology, and even then it was a minor part of my degree. And I know that amongst our listeners there's at least one professor of psychology, so I'm a little bit scared about this opinion piece. But as I always say, I'm more than happy for you to feedback you disagree with me. How else will I learn if I'm not open to other opinions? Anyway, I started to put my somewhat dormant consciousness into action, and it occurred to me that perhaps Carl Jung, the Swiss psychiatrist who lived, as it happens, not far from from where I live today, might have had something when he talked about collective unconsciousness. Jung's theory on the collective unconscious was that it is made up of a collection of knowledge and imagery that every person is born with and is shared by all human beings, due to ancestral experience. You know, we have so many things that differentiate us from one another. Colour, religion, culture, location, and so on and so forth. But what we do have in common are elements of our ancestry. For example, many of us are now urban dwellers, but if we were to trace our history, we'd find at some point or other we've had ancestors that had a much closer relationship to nature than we do today. I'm very much a city person. I grew up in London and I now live in the little big city in Zurich in Switzerland. But I don't have to go very far back to find farmers in my heritage. My mother and father were both born on farms in rural Ireland. My husband has to go back very many more generations than I do to find his rural connections. In fact, so many generations that I don't think he's achieved it yet, and he can go back as far as the early 1800s. Some of you might disagree with me about our relationship with nature. You might say that you've got a very close relationship, and you might. I wander about the countryside here every day. If I want, I can buy my food from the local farm. But I don't have that intimate relationship with nature that my grandparents had. And I don't think many urbanites do. My very survival doesn't depend on how well the crop I'm growing does, or the ability of my sheep to lamb successfully, etc. I rely on those things, yes, but they happen at a distance, not in my back garden. Nonetheless, what I'm saying is that whether you live in the city or the countryside, whether you work in a huge corporation or on a farm, what we all have in common, consciously or unconsciously, is a strong relationship to nature, whether we realise it or not. Whether it comes from contemporaneous experience or from somewhere deep in our past. For the sake of this podcast, I'm not going to go any further and discuss, as I have done in the past, what nature means. Does nature include mankind, and therefore things that are made by mankind? If you've not heard that before, you can listen to a previous podcast, and I'll put the link in the show notes. So getting back on track. In our collective unconscious, I think we'll find a common link with nature. But there'll be other things too. I've said that religion differentiates us. But that which is at the heart of religion would probably be common to all of us, either now or in the past. Family might also be another of those common links. What do you think? Is the desire to be part of a family something we all have? Then there's music and rhythm and love. Maybe you've got a few more ideas. But to end this piece, I'd like to say just a couple of things. First, that if we get this connection to our conscious or unconscious right, a haiku will, as Eric Ammon put it, achieve its effect, evoking moods and memories, echoes and ripples of associations, playing on the mind as though it were an instrument, 
where all the sympathetic strings resonate when a single note is struck. And secondly, that we can use all the techniques we want, sweat over the words we want to use, write traditionally or experimentally, but if we don't get that connection with the minds of our readers, we may have a technically excellent and admirable piece of work, but our haiku will still be lacking. It will lack the heart of a reader. But remember, you're not going to reach every heart. Perhaps it's enough just to touch one. On that note, let me give you a few haiku that touched me. The first is by Alan Summers, and I found it on his blog. Wake up call, the silver tones of its feathers. Now, quite probably Alan didn't mean this at all, but it connects with me because I've got a wood pigeon that sits on top of the chimney of my house, and I hear it from the very early hours of the morning. It's a most unwelcome wake-up call. Now one from Michael McClintock. Overtaken by a single cloud and letting it pass. I'm a bit of a cloud watcher, love a cloud, so I can imagine myself on one of my walks, watching the sky and being overtaken by the cloud. But what if I lived in New York, for example? I remember the first time I went there. I could not believe how little you saw the sky. But yet, you might notice that single cloud. I wonder. I know some of you live there. Tell me, do you ever watch the clouds? From Haiku in English, The First Hundred Years. Something by William J. Higginson. Going where the river goes. First day of spring. My grandmother was born in a house so very close to a riverbank. She loved to hear the water flowing. And I think that's something I've inherited from her. From Frog Pond, issue 43.1. Michael Blaine. Old Pond. Our kids toss pebbles. Just because. And you know, this morning I was skimming stones at the lake. The child in me taking over. And lastly, something from Joseph P. Wechselberger. Without boundaries, dandelion seeds. And to Joseph I'd say, Summer garden, my neighbour loves his weeds. I hope you enjoyed those, and perhaps felt some connections too. And now to the Renku. My thanks to the following poets for their contributions. Paddy White, Wendy C. Bilek, James Young, Robert Horobin, Pat Gear, Giddy Nielsen Sweep, and Jonathan Roman. To find out who wrote which verse, check out the show notes. Beggar, palms up, facing the sun. A passing dog smells the soles of his shoes. Immigrants' dreams in cement standing. Rain clouds gathering, no bed at the hostel. Stone epitaphs. My tomb is bigger than yours. All are dead. Gargoyles grin as they piss on the fallen. Seeing his breath, only the living can feel the cold. A ray of light, rage thaws the frost. Moonlight calm sets daylight frenzy, dawn chorus. Butcher bird sings the morning in, I'm no longer alone. Slow day, the peach tree blooms in his cup. 
Thank you so much to all my Renku collaborators. I look forward to finding out where the story takes us over the next few months. And so it's nearly time to say goodbye. But before I go, remember, your next deadline for submissions is the 1st of May, when I'd love to read your monocou. Emails only, please. But before we get to monocou, the next podcast is in a couple of weeks, and I'll be bringing you lots of lovely haiku and senryu on the topic of afternoon break. Going back to my latest project, if you have 20 to 30 seconds of an MP4 video in landscape mode, which have inspired you to write haiku or senryu, email them to me at the usual email address. And if you don't have it, you can find it on the website. If you're having trouble because they're too big, just let me know and we can try Google Drive. And speaking of these little videos, please go along to the Poetry P YouTube channel and give them a little bit of love. It's a boost not just for me, but also your fellow poets. Last and not least, until we meet again, stay safe and well, and keep writing. If there's something missing in the show notes, just drop me an email and I'll put it right. Ciao!